You are listening to the Embassy Church Podcast, and here is today's message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is, they were singing that, I... I just heard the Spirit of God say, as you begin to say Jesus, that you invite him into whatever situation, that you're calling on the name of Jesus and that you're inviting him into the situation, into the brokenness, into the places of your life that you need healing in the places of your life. And sometimes, sometimes we think we're not worth it. Sometimes we we have this perception of ourselves that say, I don't deserve it. I got myself into this mess or I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy of it. And Jesus says, if you will call out to me, call out to me and invite me into that situation. And I had this picture of of him walking into the room, walking into the area of your brokenness, walking into the area that you needed healing. And what happens when Jesus walks into a room? Everything changes. Everything changes. So just begin to call on the name of Jesus. Begin to call on the name of Jesus. Invite him into that situation. Jesus. Jesus, we want you to come into every area of our hearts, into every area of our life. We need you in every single area. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Because when you walk in, everything changes. The winds and the waves, they know your name. Jesus, come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So thank you, praise and worship team. If someone down there could do me a huge favor. We've just had, it's just been an interesting morning for us, technical difficulties. And this one's completely on me. I have my phone volume turned all the way up, so I am echoing back to myself. So if someone could grab my phone and turn it down. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for everything that you've done in our lives. How you show up strong every single time. And just like your eyes on the sparrow, how much more you care about us, how much more you're watching over us. Caring about every intimate detail of our life. Wow, you're incredible. And so Father, I just pray that every person that's attending church this morning that's online or that will be on later, that they would just feel the incredible love of the Father wrapping around them and holding them. And that they would have peace that would pass all understanding. And that joy unspeakable and full of glory would be their portion. 
And I thank you for those that have called upon the name of, the, of Jesus. The Bible says, they that call upon his name will be saved. Father, I thank you that there is a turnaround in situations. That today marks a day of a turnaround for them in their lives. Jesus, as you've stepped into their situation. Father, I thank you that this morning we would become undone by the reverence of God. That there would be a reverential fear that grabs hold of our hearts as we look towards you and become undone by who you are. And that all of this all our lives, everything would be about your glory. Would be about bringing you praise. Father, wreck us. Let them see Jesus through us. Let this be our heart's cry. That they would see Jesus that they would know Jesus. Not our own agendas, but Jesus. Father, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm gonna talk to you this morning. Last, the, the last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I talked about a vision that I'd had, and I'm gonna go a little bit more in depth at the start here. The, the vision was, there was a road, and the road was cluttered. It had, it had garbage on it, it had litter, it had, you know, animal feces on it. It just was like this cluttered, dirty, it had leaves, muddy road on it. And I heard, I heard the Spirit of God in this vision. I heard the Lord say, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way. And it was this loud, booming voice just kept echoing, prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord. And all at once in this, this booming voice, I saw people begin to scatter towards the, towards the road and they began to clean it up. They were just like doing everything that they could to clean up the road getting rid of all of the litter, dusting off the road, and then they began to roll out this red carpet. And it was all in preparation. All of them knew what was about to come. They were preparing the way for the Lord. And I read that verse that says, lift up your, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting earth, for the King of glory is ready to come in. It's like he's standing there ready to come in and this voice comes forth and says, prepare the way and everyone begins to know. You know, we've been reading Proverbs lately and one of the verses in Proverbs says this, it says, know the importance of the season that you're in. Know the importance of the season that you're in. And lately all I've been hearing over and over echoed in my spirit is purity, 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 purity. Prepare the way, prepare the way. Clean, 
clean off the road, clean off the things, the King of glory. He's ready to come in. And knowing the importance of the season that we're in is positioning ourselves, making, making purity our priority. That there's contaminants and there's defilement, there's things that we let into our life that we know aren't pure. And this moment is the echo of prepare the way. Prepare the way, prepare the way. In Matthew 5, verse 8, it says that the pure in heart will see God. We'll see God. I remember a couple of years back, I preached a message on purity. And, and one of my examples that I used was I had a pitcher of water and the water was clear and you could see right through it and it was pure. And then little by little, I had a cup of coffee and you'd pour coffee into it. And little by little, it began to contaminate the water until you couldn't see through it anymore. Contaminants, things that defile the water, you can't see through it anymore. It's the same thing that we allow stuff into our heart, into our life. God says it's time to make purity a priority. So I want to start in I want to start in Exodus 20. Before I do, I just want to say this. There's a difference between positional purity and conditional purity. Positional purity is what Jesus did for you on the cross. Where he died and he shed his blood. And he made you clean. Conditional priority or purity is what you allow into your life is the stuff that contaminates your life. So in Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. And it starts out like this, verse 1. It says, Then God gave the people all of these instructions. He says, I am the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt and the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. It sounds like a harsh verse. But if you notice at the beginning, he says, I'm the one that took you out of slavery. I'm the one that took you out of bondage. I wanted you free. So I took you out. And then he gives these instructions. I don't want you to, to mix with any other thing but me. I want to be the God. I want to be the only God because any, of, any other thing, any other God that you bring into your life takes you back into slavery. And he says, and I set you free from that. You see how much love it is? He's giving these instructions because he says, if, if, you go, if you go there, that will lock you back up. If you bring other things, I set you free from that. Don't bring stuff back in. I set you free from that. Don't go back there. Don't mix things. 
It's because he loves. And then he says, I'm a jealous, I'm a jealous God. I don't, I don't want you mixing with any other thing because I'm jealous for you. And a lot of times we read that like jealousy, like we think of when we see somebody gets a new vehicle or I don't know, they, they get married or I don't know. And, and, and inside of us is this worldly jealousy that says, how come they got that? I want that. I should have had that. Who, who do they think they are? That's not the kind of jealousy that God's talking about. The kind of jealousy he's talking about is when you have a husband and a wife and that they're in love with each other, but then somebody comes in, another lover comes in and tries to entice and tries to take one of the spouses away. And the spouse becomes jealous. It's a rightful jealousy. You belong to me. I belong to you. And God says, I don't, I don't want you to do it because you belong to me. I belong to you. The Bible says, I am my beloved's and he is mine. He says, I don't want you to mix. So he's saying, don't bring any mixture. And I think that a lot of times we've mixed. We've mixed things that's caused impurity in our life. Impurity, impurity in the Bible means this mixture, excuse me, pure means purified by fire, like a vine cleansed by pruning and so fitted to bear fruit, means clean, free from corrupt desire, from sin and guilt, free from every admixture of what is false, unstained by the guilt of anything. God does not want you to walk in impurity because it takes you back into bondage. It messes with your relationship with him. In 1 Peter verse 13, it says, so roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil, doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. Pulled. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy. You be holy. You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way. But don't forget he's a responsible father. That's what makes him a good father. Don't you forget he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey that you must travel with a deep consciousness of God. He says, I'm a responsible father. I don't, want, I don't want you to have impurity in your life. I'm going to point it out because I know what impurity does to my children. I'm going to point it out. I'm going to ask you to get rid of it because I'm a good father. Because that's what I do. And he says, he says I've called you. I, I paid a price for you. And he says, I'm holy. You be holy. In other words, 
In other words, this is the life that I've called you to live. I've called you holy. I've called you my, my son. I've called you my daughter. Now you live that life. I've called you into that place. And when he calls you into a place, he actually graces you to live the life. The opposite of purity is defilement. In James 4.8, it says, Come close to God with a contrite heart and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. I love how it says it in the voice. It says, come close to the one true God and he will draw close to you. Wash your hands. You have dirtied them in sin. Cleanse your heart. It says, because your mind is split down the middle, your love for God on one side and your selfish pursuits on the other. And this is something that God has been talking to me about in everything that I do. Whose motive is behind that? Megan, you want to do that? Whose motive is behind it? Do you have selfish ambition linked to that? And I tell you, there's many conversations that I've had with them where I'm like, well, God, I, I was doing this for you. I thought, yeah, but did you check with me? Are you asking me? Are you involving me in it? What's your motive? What's your motive behind that? because it's important. It's important that I watch that I'm not straddling two sides of a fence. Is my affection for God or do I have my own self-interests? It's important that we're checking our hearts and our lives or is there any selfish ways in me? Because that's impurity too. Sometimes we look at impurity or we hear messages like this and we think it's just sin. It's just, it's just the bad things, the, the things that we have lists of. No, no, no. Impurity is anything that God would put his finger on and say, hey, it's time to clean this up. He can't bless your own agenda and your own selfishness. He can't bless your own agenda. And I think that many, if not all, if, if, we, if we could really be serious, is that we thought, we thought along the way, instead of it being, God, your will, it's my will, bless my will. And, we, and we, we've, we've thought of how we wanted things to look and, and what they should be and how our future should look and how this, and we think God bless it. And when it doesn't turn out, we get offended with him because it didn't turn out the way it was, but really it was our own selfish agenda attached. And he can't put his hand on your way. And some of the things that we've learned, we've learned through the world, the world, the way the world sees things through, through that perspective, but it's not through the life of Jesus. We didn't learn it from the life of Jesus because Jesus would go to the Father and say, not my will, but yours. Not anything to do with me. I could see how maybe I would like this to be, but, but nevertheless, your will.
because it's about the will of the Father. I was reading the life, I was reading Judges and I was reading the life of Gideon and I thought this was super interesting because you have Gideon who is like doing his own thing. He he doesn't think really much of himself. He's just doing his thing. And then God shows up and he's like, Gideon, I'm going to make you this like incredible man. You're going to do many things. And it's going to be, and Gideon's like, I can't do any of that. That's not who I am. Did you, you should pick somebody else. He, he does this and God's like, no, I'm going to give you the courage and you're going to be a man of strength and you're, and you're going to have, you know, strategy. And so Gideon begins to do those things and God is just coming through like crazy. He's, he's like showing himself strong. He's giving him strategy. He's giving him the courage. He's leading these people and he didn't even know he would lead them. It's incredible things that he's seeing happen. And Gideon knew that had nothing to do with him. It wasn't about Gideon's own strength. He knew that. But then at the end of the story, look at this. At the end of the story, the Bible says that Gideon makes a sacred ephod of gold and puts it in his hometown like a memorial. It's like, these are the things God does. But then it goes, but soon, this is what the Bible says, but soon the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it. Suddenly it didn't become about what God did. And then it says, that it became a trap to Gideon and his whole family. Something that God meant for good. He blessed Gideon. He gave Gideon the gifts. He gave Gideon the anointing. He gave Gideon the strategy. And it was all to be for the glory of God. But suddenly it became a trap and it became about what they did. It became about the gifts and callings that God gave them. And they began to worship that over the one who gave it to them. And it became a trap. This is what I wrote. I was, I was reading it in my own time. And this is what I wrote. What has trapped you? What have you stamped your selfishness on? What have you made idols of right now in your own life? What was God supposed to get the glory of or been consulted on? that you made it all about yourself. Maybe it hasn't felt like it trapped you yet, but be warned, it will. What has God called you to do that you have turned around and made about your own selfish desires, your selfish agenda, your wants, your needs, your fame? He was supposed to get the glory for it and you began worshiping the very thing he gave you instead of him. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a time to make purity a priority. That the, the, These are the things that defile us. These are the things, like the Bible says, that, that we begin to be double-minded because we have our own desires and our own wants and the way we think things should be. And then we just want God to bless it. I had a vision not that long ago, a couple days ago, I was praying over Embassy Church and, and I, it was just this room and I saw the room and it was just filled with people, filled with people, but they, but they were all on their knees. They were all bent down, heads to the ground, everyone on their knees. And I said, God, what's happening here? And he says, they've positioned themselves for glory. They've humbled themselves. 
And I can only think that humbling themselves would be getting to the place that says it doesn't matter. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't even matter. Just put me in whatever place I need to be so that your glory is seen, it doesn't matter. Positioned. Second Corinthians seven verse one says, Beloved ones, with promises like these, and because of your deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything that our li- from our lives that contaminate body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. The footnotes of it says, purify yourself. Believers today must take an active and disciplined approach to spiritual maturity and living holy lives. An active and disciplined approach. That was one of the things that God spoke to me personally about going into this year is if you want something different, then do something different. In other words, position yourself. In other words, take an active, disciplined approach. Like the scripture we word up ahead, don't get by. You're not going to get by on loose living. Purify yourself. The footnote goes on to say, grace never removes our responsibility to be faithful to God. We have a responsibility to be faithful to God. Grace empowers us to do what pleases God. I think that we have a backwards, still somewhere in our thinking, um, approach on what grace is. Grace is not the ability on your life so you can sin. It is the power of God on your life that enables you to purify yourself, to live a holy life, to live a pure life. God wouldn't have said to live a pure life if you weren't able to do it. So what is grace is for? This is grace, Philippians 2.13. God will continually revitalize you in planting within you the passion to do what pleases him. That's grace. God's showing up, pushing you towards it, pulling you towards him, causing you to be able to walk in what he's called you to walk in. Live the life that he's called you to live. Psalms 119 says, Verse one, you're only truly happy when you walk in total integrity, walking in the light of God's word. What joy overwhelms everyone who keeps the ways of God, those who seek him as their heart's passion. They'll never do what's wrong, but will always choose the paths of the Lord. God has prescribed the right way to live, obeying his laws with all our hearts. Wait a minute. The start of this verse says, you're only truly happy. You're only, tr- <laughs> you're only truly happy. Everyone's looking. Everyone's looking to be happy in this day and age. Everywhere, they're all looking. I just want to be happy. I wonder, I wonder, are you walking in the ways of the Lord? Are you obeying Him? I'm not saying everyone, uh, but I'm saying I think that there's a good chance that there's a good percentage that are disappointed, that are discouraged, that are not happy 
but they are not obeying what God has asked them to do. Not walking in the ways of the Lord. Because you've chose your own path. You've chose what you want. You've chose your own selfish desires. And you may think for a time that that will bring you joy and that will bring you happiness because that's what your flesh wants. But the Bible says, no, that's not what's going to bring you joy. That will not bring you happiness. It's walking in the ways of the Lord. He says, he has prescribed a way for you. Did you know that there is a divine order to God? And it's not religion. I said, well, that's religious. No, it's not religion. God has a divine order in many things that he does for you, for your good. Because he, he knows, did, did you know that part of the divine order of God is reading the word? Why? Because it's a light unto your path. It lights the way in front of you. Did you know that the divine order of God is praying? Is spending time with Him? Is meeting for church, however church looks, is part of the divine order of God. He sets things up for your good. And sometimes we just disregard it because I just don't feel a need for it. I don't feel like it. Guys, I don't want this to come across harsh because, because it's, it's my life as well. It's all of us. That there is a place that he's calling us to. But there's some things. It says living a disciplined life. This is, this is what we need to get to. down to verse 9 it says how can a young man stay pure only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth for sake of time we'll go to 2 Timothy 2.22 it says run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lusts of youth and chase after all that is pure chase after all that is pure whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must become your holy pursuit and live in peace with all those who worship our lord jesus with pure hearts the voice says it like this run away from youthful desires instead direct your passion to chasing after righteousness faithfulness love peace along with all of those who call upon the lord with pure hearts He's saying, turn away, turn away from those things. And it says, and begin to, with passion, pursue these things. So how do you know when you're pursuing things? How do you know it's of God? When I'm, do, when I'm going about my day, how do I know it's of God? I would measure it against, is this righteous? If God was right here and we had a conversation and he says, what, what do we think about this right now that we're watching? What do we think about this conversation that we're having right now? What do we think about this desire that I have? Is it righteous? Ask God that question. Is it, is it faithful? Is there faithfulness listed in this? Is there love in it? Is there peace? Does it bring unity to the body of Christ? 
First Thessalonians 4 verse 7 says, for God's call on your life is not a life of compromise and perversion, but to a life surrounded in holiness. He hasn't called you to compromise. Stop making allowances for what your selfish desires are. He's called you to a life surrounded in holiness. Look at this. Therefore, verse 8, whoever rejects the instruction isn't rejecting human authority, but God himself. Who gives us his precious gift, his spirit of holiness. I'm trying to skip through my notes here because I got a lot and I'm trying to get to the end. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you. You do not belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary. You are God's expensive purchase paid for with the tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. You are the sanctuary. You think of how much honor the priests in the Old Testament brought to the sanctuary. That we would get to that place. In the beginning of 2020, in the middle of 2020, I should say, I, I think I said this the last time I spoke, but I felt like never before, I felt a fear of God just it, it would just rest on me. It was like I could feel his hand on me in the middle of the night and I could just feel it pressing, just pressing. And it was so intense. It was so strong. And I'd never felt anything like that in my life. And it continued for months and months and months, just this strong fear of God. And, and it wasn't like I was scared of him. It wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. It was this reverence. It was like, oh my God, he is awesome. He deserves to be reverenced. He deserves for me to live a life of discipline. He deserves for me to purify my life. He deserves, he, he deserves it. He deserves all of the reverence and all of the awe. He deserves it because he's holy. First Timothy 1. Verse 3 says, When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who, whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart a clear conscience and a genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussion. That their lives would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and a genuine faith. As I was praying this morning, I felt felt like God was wanting us, like I said at the start, to begin to purify the road 
us as a church just to begin to clean up the things is 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 there anything that you're requiring of me God is there anything that you want from me is there is there any selfish motives do I have agendas of things God is there anything in my life that you don't want there and I and and I, I feel it so strong I feel it so strong to know the importance of the season that you're in this is the time this is the season to begin to get anything out of the way that needs to get out of the way. And I felt like the God, God just kept saying, repent, repent. But, but then he also began to show me this morning that often we look at repentance and, and the word and we think it's a dirty word. In other words, repentance is something that God is ashamed of in me. And we've linked shame to it. We, we think repent and we think it's a shameful thing. And God says, it's not a shameful thing. What it is, is it's a turning away from one way to the next. It's just a turning away. It's saying, you know what? God, I see that. I'm not going to do that anymore. You're right. It's time to move on. You're right. I've been holding on to it too long and turning away from it. God says, there's no shame attached to that. Did you know that when you repent and you turn away from something, when you begin to obey God, that heaven rejoices at that? It's a, it's a, it's a joyful thing. There's no shame attached to that. And, and because we look at it as though there's shame attached to it, we usually end up going back and doing it because we're ashamed of ourselves. And God says, I'm not ashamed of you because I'm telling you to repent. I'm, a sh I, I, I'm telling you to repent because I've got some place for you to go. I've got some things for you to do. I'm proud of you. And then I also in prayer heard this, that, that there are things that he's asking of us to let go of and, and and, and things that we can't even quite wrap our mind around because God, I thought that it was you and I, I, th I, I thought that I was doing this for you and now you're asking me to get rid of this and, and you're asking me to, to change this and to do something different and I'm not quite understanding and God says, do you understand that that's the sacrifice of praise? That that's worship to me when you lay those things down. Even if it is sin, he says, that's worship to me. When you say, you know what? I'm getting rid of it. He says, that's like worship to me. When you begin to order your life so that it looks like I am preparing myself, I am, I am prioritizing purity in my life. He says, that is worship to me. And I love it. And I love it. So Father, I just thank you that you always tell us of the seasons and the times that we're in. And Holy Spirit, you're always leading and guiding us and warning us of things to come. And so I thank you that you are breathing on purity this morning, in this season, in the days ahead, that you're illuminating the things in our life that, that need to be cleared out of the way so that we can prepare the way 
for the King of Glory. That we as a church are positioning ourselves in purity. Positioning ourselves for glory. Positioning ourselves for the coming of the King. Positioning ourselves for what you would have. Positioning ourselves for your kingdom come, your will be done. Positioning ourselves for the days ahead. That you are coming back for a spotless bride. And so, Father, I thank you that your grace is all over this. Empowering and propelling us to walk this out. We don't want to go back into bondage. We don't want to go back into slavery. The things that you have taken us out of. And we don't want to lay traps for ourselves. So I thank you as a church that we walk forward, positioning ourselves, disciplining ourselves to live lives of purity. It's a new era, it's a new day. More is being required. More is being required because it's a new era. I'm calling you up higher. I'm calling you to go farther. I'm calling you to go the distance. So more is required. So get into position. For you are to be the vessel that my glory is seen through. Thank you, Jesus. So we position ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca.